What's up, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Neo Vintage Podcast. I'm Jabro, and I'm here with... Steve, hope everyone's doing well out there. And for you guys who have never seen the show before, we're just two guys that like to talk over the biggest stories in gaming, but we always like to start with what we've been playing. So, Steve, what you've been playing? Yeah, so uh, two titles, obviously, that have uh, released the same week. Um, obviously, I have uh, played a little bit of God of War Ragnarok, Um Due to the way it kind of released in the middle of the week, I haven't had the most time with it. I'm still very, very early on, maybe just breaching two, three hours. Um, and so my, my impressions are very just first impressions. Obviously, love, love, love the game. Um, I'm still just just so taken away on how good it feels to be back in this sort of world with, with these characters. Um, game looks gorgeous, obviously, on, on PS5. Uh, on day one, I had some weird issues where the game would crash. Not crash my whole system, just just the game. Um, but that's sort of gone away already. So with that first patch that they released, um, but it's so good. You know, the the game just still controls so solid. It just feels so good. It it feels like what a sequel should be, sort of an extension on that. Even though I'm still doing so much tutorial, you know, it doesn't let me fiddle around with the armors and things like that. But the standout, um, which I I have I knew this would be the case, but great just great credit to them is the just these characters are so alive and they're so good there's times where i'm like i wish i didn't have to physically play it because i i just love seeing the discussions and obviously i'm gonna be i don't i can't spoil anything but on top of that uh, i'm not gonna spoil anything but seeing some of these characters interactions especially so early on um uh earlier than i thought we would see some of these characters just their, from their design to their voice acting to the motion capturing, um, they just are so believable, and it's absolutely, absolutely great to to be in there. So I'm really excited to play more of this. Obviously, again, just came out for us. Uh, we just got our hands on it. Some, some, some. Next time, uh, maybe you've beaten it. Who knows? Or at least we'll be f- way further deeper into, you know, obviously the more of what makes this, what makes this, um, you know, uh. A sequel in, in every sense of the way so uh so the other game i've been playing obviously we we kind of knew this uh would come in we, we it's one of my games i was most anticipating uh a little little divisive out there with this so sonic yeah. frontiers sonic frontiers is one. finally <laughs> finally yeah uh, and i know you and i have different views on the game yeah um, but that's a game that's that's what anything <laughs> could be um so Sonic Frontiers came out, and I've this game I've spent a lot of time with. Um, I'm, I'm just about ten hours into the game, um, so I feel like I can justifiably uh, discuss a lot of it. Um, so I'm gonna break it up into parts uh, to get the technical stuff out of the way. Uh, a lot of poppins. Uh, I, I do feel like the game could have used a little bit more time, uh, especially when it decided to release. The, you know, the day before God of War, I wouldn't have been mad if this game. I wouldn't have been mad if this game got pushed maybe into that you know early winter of next year uh the game just needed a little bit more polish uh technical uh wise a lot of pop-ins um especially the way you unlock things and some stuff comes out of nowhere like the rails and stuff when you unlock them um and that's fine that part of them, i just don't like that every time i come back to that area like it needs to like sort of pop in and load because i forget where i'm running to um you know sonic controls pretty well uh there, there is sometimes just sort of this sort of floatiness that that's been a thing since uh, forever, uh, pretty much, in 3D Sonic games, where he just isn't as tight as I'd like to control him. Um, you know, I'm missing a platform here or there just because, and not because of my fault, just because he slides off. Or he's just always running, and the momentum's 
Uh, although this is some of the best momentum I've, I've seen run with controlling Sonic, it's sort of all over the place sometimes, where sometimes I'm perfect and I'm landing everything, and other times he's just missing uh, shots that he should have clearly, clearly hit. Um, so that's just on the technical aspect. It runs good. I have not had a problem with it crashing. The load times haven't been long, anything like that. Uh, now, the, the bulk of the game, uh, so, so more of that moment-to-moment gameplay... Uh, obviously, it's been akin to Breath of the Wild, open world games, um, everything like that. And for me, uh, for the most part, it's it's actually really hit. It's uh, really interesting and it's calming and it's it's nice to see Sonic in a different aspect. Now, not every these new ideas kind of hit. I don't think almost almost copying and pasting what the kind of that Breath of the Wild feel to throw Sonic in there makes a lot of sense. Uh, you have this big open map. The only thing I will give it, uh, one big complaint I had for Breath of the Wild is a lot of the map was empty and there was nothing to do. Uh, Sonic has maybe too much to do, uh, especially since a lot of these activities aren't fun. Uh, so when you do like, uh, there's the one where you literally, you have to just sidestep left and right on a little block to beat the challenge. You get oh, a, a yeah. little collectible. It opens up the menu. Um, the fact that just that, doesn't engage in any way uh this doesn't make any sense why why stop the rhythm to make me push l1 and r1 a couple times and that's it there's no sort of challenge uh the other light up puzzles where you have to walk those i'm okay with those felt sort of puzzly it just just does feel like a weird almost zelda clone um and, and not even just specifically breath of the wild and zelda in general um even some of the chimes and and i know a lot of people have been discussing this like when you unbeat one of those little challenges then it sort of GPS pings out and um, it makes that jingle. I was like, "Wow, that jingle's uh, pretty uh, familiar." Um, so it it it's it's a weird mix, right? So I actually prefer a little bit more this open world aspect of Sonic, because exploring and doing a lot of these activities when I'm fighting the enemies, I think is really interesting to finally give Sonic uh, some combat moves that isn't just uh, smash square button to keep homing attack constantly. I'm I do like, especially when you unlock the other abilities, the skill tree. Uh, getting the sonic bursts and the sonic waves and all these other attacks they're fun i think it, it makes sense i do think some i think the enemy design is a little lazy just the sort of gray and red on every enemy and that's something i've said since the, the early trailers um and uh but i do have to knock it for the same issues i kind of knocked breath of the wild where breath of the wild took dungeons chopped it up and spread it across the map uh sonic took uh sonic levels chop them up into minute sections and kind of spread it around the map um and and that's fine for what it's trying to do it just doesn't really f- make sense um especially since there is no real recollection in game about these playing off his memories um because these are mostly rehashed levels and cut up levels and remixed uh not even level segments of levels from other sonic games uh, from generations a little bit from unleashed a little bit from forces um they took the levels remixed them very very slightly chopped it up and put it in there and that's very clear as day as they did that because sonic controls completely different in these cyber levels he plays a little bit more like sonic colors um when he's in these levels compared to when he's in the open map so it's very jarring in that sense and uh i just feel like it would have been better to make a smaller map um with maybe one or two levels in each world um, that were full flesh levels instead of one minute segments because uh, to get an S rank most of these segments are like a minute long um, and they're just very easy uh, they're very easy 
I'll give it to it. The cyberspace levels music is fantastic. I think the remix of some of these older tracks with new tracks with a sort of techno vibe makes um, a lot of sense and just sounds really great to listen to. Um, but that also brings me to my other complaint is this overall cyber um, effect. And I know I'm about 10 hours, so I'm 10 hours, so I'm like halfway through the game. It, that theme just doesn't make any sense. There's no reason for the game to be this weird cyber connect level. It's not like he uploads his mind in a VR headset or anything like weird like that. It doesn't just doesn't make sense. You know, you crash land and things are missing. And unless that's something revealed later on, it just doesn't make sense. The, the main antagonist you see is half uh, cyber. And again, they use this black, red, and gray as that color theme, which though we don't like to talk about sonic forces that enemy that main protagonist in infinite was the same just black red and gray oh yeah um so it's like you kind of use this re almost reusing the theme so just all it doesn't jive as well as it does um and it's a really just all in all because I, I could talk about this game forever uh all in all it's a super solid starting point i see the vision they wanted to do for most part i think they nailed a lot of that stuff i think they need to really just in future game and whatever they decide to do they need to work on getting us actual sonic levels that fit in this open world and also make this open world something you want to run around and do because um, i'm playing a very ubisoft style where just checkpoints off a map unlock all the map and that's not really what you want you know that wasn't like how i played breath of the wild is the issues even though i had many issues with breath of the wild i didn't feel like i needed to get everything on the map i wanted to explore it the way i wanted to explore it um and sonic frontiers it's kind of the opposite you kind of have to grind out some of this stuff because you need specific coins uh it almost feels almost microtransaction you need you want to fish you need a purple coin you want uh, to talk to tails or knuckles or amy you need their uh significant collectible a heart a badge and i forgot what tails was you know you want to play these cyber levels that i know you said that you actually like those a little bit more well you gotta get these gears which there's not just one way to get the gear. You either kill an enemy. Uh, sometimes they're just randomly out there. There's no formula. It's almost very, almost auto-generated. Um, but it's a good Sonic game. I think it's a good Sonic game. I'm okay with this direction where it's going. I know it's going to leave some people sort of behind um, that aren't feeling this sort of openness to it. Um, I do think there's a balance they can hit. Um, I don't think they obviously hit it just yet. Um, but I think it's a good direction. It's It's a solid game. It's fun. I'm loving it. Uh, but I think I went in expecting a lot of this stuff and sort of wanting this stuff where not everybody could really go for it. Um, so that's all I've been playing. These are the, the same two games I'm going to be playing um, until I beat them. Um, I, I'm hoping to Platinum Sonic uh, Frontiers uh, just because I do really enjoy the game. There's something nice and relaxing and sort of comforting with that game. Um, I'm also just a bigger Sonic fan than most people, for yeah. for better or for worse. Uh, this is something that's it's just sort of my more my, more more of my take, you know, uh, where other games don't really speak to me. So that's all I've been playing. That's all I'm going to be probably playing for a little while. Um, I, I definitely expect to at least have beaten Sonic Frontier. So uh, next time we talk, we will at least I will have a complete um, aspect of what the whole game is. Um, but, uh, yeah, what have you been playing? I know there's uh, kind of fam- similar stuff you've been playing. Yeah, uh, similar stuff and then a couple other things. Uh, I guess I could start with Sonic Frontiers. Um, it's it's an interesting game, and the thing is, like, first off, I guess I'll start with some of the things I like because there are things I do like about this game, but I'll get out of the way, yeah. Overall, I don't, I don't like the game. It's not that I think it's a bad game. I just find it to be one of the... M- 
the more unpleasant games to play that I probably played in this franchise probably um and and the reason well the things that i like is one thing i totally admire them trying to go in this direction i think a lot of older franchises have been trying to pivot into this more open world modern uh, approach uh we've seen it lots of franchises tried it you know obviously zelda i think is kind of the the most successful one that everybody points to but you know and and in a lot of ways mario's tried to do it you know now sonic's trying to do it lots of teams have kind of tried to move into that direction of different levels of success um and so i admire them that i think they've taken kind of a bold approach to it and a lot of a lot of the things they have tried works and i in my opinion a lot is not working so far um to start with what i like I do think the music is phenomenal. That's such a big kind of yeah. part of the equation for uh, Sonic games for me. Um, and they absolutely nailed it with the the soundtrack for this game. Just And then mostly like the cyber levels, uh, whether it's remix or original or stuff like that. I just think it's very, very well done. Um, with the cyber stuff, the thing is, uh, I don't necessarily like the way they go about it in terms of introducing it. I don't like that there's so many different currency systems. It's very strange. Uh, and it's kind of obtuse in its approach of like where you even get these things. Sometimes they give you these these uh, objectives of like, hey, collect this many. Uh, it's like Amy memories or whatever. <laughs> And I'm like, okay. And I kind of just sit there for a second and I'm looking at the map. I'm like, okay, it's not on the map. And I'm like looking around. I'm kind of moving the camera and it's like six remaining. And I'm like, six what? Like from what though? Oh, so I've gotten some of these? Okay, when? Like where? Like, where? And it's like, I, I'm, I'm like scratching my head here. And then I, I run around. I'm looking. I kill a couple enemies. They drop a pink thing. Oh, that okay. That's an Amy memory, I guess. There's one. And then I'm kind of just moving around for a while, and you just do that. And it's like, oh, now you oh, can't do that. You need two of the gears. Oh, yeah, I have one of the gears. Where did I get it? I don't know. Off the foot of a giant monster? Okay. I, I guess I'll try to do that again. And it's like, oh, excuse me. You need ten keys, of course. And I'm like, I, I, just, I, I don't love that design. That's kind of annoying. Um, but then once we go into the cyber thing, it, it's more traditional Sonic. But the problem is... Uh, I do all of those things, and then I get into this level, and I'm like, okay, this is more familiar. It's a lot more comfortable. The music is banging. It feels good. You know, it's running great. I love... I'm just a sucker for, like, a very high-resolution Sonic experience. We, A lot of the Sonic games that I play tend to be a lot older, so it's just such an exciting experience when you get that. Uh, and then, like, literally, like, 90 seconds, and it's done. I haven't hit a thing, I haven't gotten hurt, I haven't really done any advanced platforming, and it's done. And then I'm back into this world. Uh, and that's the problem for me, where it's like I get these real bite-sized moments of things that I really enjoy. And then I'm kind of thrown back into something that is just naturally a lot slower. Um, and for me personally, I, I think we've had this discussion actually when it comes to Sonic about what makes Sonic good and then where do they kind of trip up. And specifically one of the trip points I said for the 3D is that you get these moments where Sonic is Sonic in, in a very traditional way. And then it's the moments in between that I think kind of trip it up because things slow down a lot. And some games I think slow down in a good way, uh, like a Sonic Adventure Battle 2. And then some don't, like in a Sonic 06. Um, and, and it depends what's kind of in between it that kind of make or break a lot of these 3D Sonic games. And for me, for this one, uh, they in between, they try a million different things. 
which I totally respect that they they try their best to kind of like introduce lots of different motivation to traverse this very open world that is maybe not the most geographically interesting world that is out there, but they they try to include a lot of different things in it. Um, and and as you said, they kind of break up the kind of traditional things you do, the traditional platforming that you encounter in a level. They kind of take that out of the level and they throw it around the world um, and they kind of spread it out and it kind of motivates you to kind of try to explore and, and stuff like that um, of varying levels of payoff. You know, sometimes you go somewhere and it's like, oh, I can't even do this yet. And then there's other times you do something it's like, oh, lots of currency up here. That's nice. Um, or I found this really cool area, part of the map. That's cool. Um, and, and so from that perspective, I think it's kind of cool. But the thing is, yeah, they don't stick the landing on everything they try. Most of the activities, in my opinion, are not great. Uh, some of them are fun, fun enough. Uh, some of like the little time trial thing where you need to get to a certain area in a certain amount of time. I actually find that kind of fun because they find very creative ways that if like each one has its own kind of gimmick of like how you even get to that area you could just try to run it out or you could try to take certain paths and do certain things and blast your way into the sky and find different creative ways to do it and i think that's actually pretty fun um but a lot of the other things i think are just very very unpleasant to do and so um from my experience you know i i didn't make it super far in i made it maybe three to four hours in um, and I was generally not having a great time with it. I was kind of annoyed with it, but I totally was going to stick it through because I, th I thought they were doing some interesting things with it. I didn't think it was a bad game per se, uh, but it, it hit me with a moment where I was kind of getting hit back to back with these activities that I just didn't want to do. Uh, and some of which seemed that I could just like not do it. Like it wasn't a big deal. Uh, and then I bumped into one where I, I don't know if they brought me to a farm or a field. I don't know exactly how to describe it, but they had like these vegetables in the ground that they wanted me to like dig up and I was like okay and I failed it like once or twice because maybe I just wasn't doing it right you have to use that little spin circle move uh to like get them out and I'm like okay and like they need you need to get like 5,000 points to pass it and I was like hitting pretty consistent like 4,500 but then I kept like trying the vegetables and they weren't giving me any points and I was like all right I, I feel like maybe I'm just doing this right or maybe I have to combo it a certain way so I tried it like once, I tried it like twice, and then the third time, and then I really had to take a step back, and I, th at this point, it's the day after it came out, and I'm looking at my UI, and I just see God of War there. I just see God of War next to Sonic Frontiers. <laughs> and I, the honest to God truth is I looked at my screen, and it's like, what am I doing here? I mean, like, honestly, like, they, you have me digging up turnips here? Or I could be Kratos? No, no, absolutely not. So I'm like... I just had to make the executive call. I'm like, you need to get off my system right now. You need to leave. Um, and so I just deleted it off the system. Uh, and I was like, that, that'll be it for me. And so it's all that to say, it's a very simple thing. I think it's a, it's a solid game in some ways, but overall I think it's very unpleasant sometimes in between if you don't buy into the initial concept. The initial concept is you're going to get these bite-sized chunks of traditional Sonic spliced in between this kind of slower plotting open world with these disparate puzzles and activities in between it. And then this kind of ambiguous, atmospheric, unclear, slow plotting storyline that you're either going to dig or you're not going to dig. I actually didn't mind that that much. Uh, that's going to be very hit or miss for people, I think. Um, 
And that's the initial, that's the selling. That's what it's doing there. It's not like it's trying to do something that it's failing at. It's trying to do something that I think it's succeeding at overall. It's just whether or not you like what it's trying to do or not. Um, exactly. And I just don't like what it's trying to do. But I don't necessarily look at that as an indictment on the game per se. I think this is their foray into the open world market. I think certain people are going to dig it and i think certain people are not and I, I think that's totally fine um because to a certain extent i actually in my head kind of connect this uh at times to something like a kirby forbidden land uh now kirby was a lot more um traditional they have a lot more traditional kirby than this has traditional sonic in it but they're both forays into something new um and that's not going to resonate with everybody because some people didn't necessarily need it to be reinvented, you know? Like, not everybody was burned out on Sonic and wanted them to go in a bold new direction. But I think overall, it's a positive thing for them to do. Um, so, you know, shout out to them. Um, I, I do think that this overall is going to result in a very, very good direction for Sonic. I just don't think it's going to be realized through this game, probably. Um, I think they're figuring out a lot of things. Uh, but the good thing about Sonic Frontiers is a lot of the issues I feel like that plagued previous games are actually not really the things I have the problem with in this game all the time. Uh, on a technical front, it's, it's surprisingly stable. Um, it runs quite well. I haven't had any significant performance issues. Um, I'm sure like if you tried to play this on like Switch or something like that, it might, it might go <laughs> yeah. differently. Um, yeah. Because there's times that I feel like it's kind of pushing the PS5. And I'm like, bruh, I could only imagine trying to play this on my Switch. <laughs> but uh, um, but on PS5, it, it was actually running well. It, it looked good. It, the frames weren't cutting out like crazy. Um, the pop-in's insane. But I, ha I personally didn't bump into any areas that actually impacted gameplay. It was just more like jarring from like a visual standpoint. I, I've heard some people talk about the idea that like they were doing something and it popped in last minute and actually affected their ability to like do something uh gameplay wise i never bumped into that issue so i won't hold that against them but yeah the popping is kind of crazy um so that just tells me yeah maybe it, it, it probably needed a more a little bit more time maybe um but at the same time since the stability is core there i mean i wouldn't have held it for too much longer so i i kind of get why they kind of just like do it out there so yeah sonic frontiers not all bad for me but generally just not for me um gotham knights uh i was I, I played a lot more of that game i'm like pretty far now. i don't know exactly how much maybe like 20 hours something like that um wow overall i like the game uh it, it's not perfect it has its issues it's uh it talking about technical issues now that that's what plagues this one uh it, it has a lot of technical issues it's very very repetitive um in in a way that it, it's very it's very like saints row 3 in that way um and i kind of mentioned that it's very saints Row -y that way or like far cry where you're kind of doing the same activities over and over and over again um so it's a great game to like kill time but it's not something that i think you're gonna get super invested in really uh it's a great time thing to like you know play around with some friends collect some different costumes grind out some different exercise or some different activities and stuff like that and you kind of move on with your life um the problem was i was like i got to a point where i was like okay i did so many side activities and i was clearing out the map every single night in the game um that my character was actually pretty over leveled for the story stuff so i was like actually let me just focus on the story for now beat the story and then if i still want more of this game i'll just go back to the side content because there's tons of case files for different characters like harley quinn um 
Clayface, Mr. Freeze. There's a whole bunch of side stuff you can do. Um, and the problem was it kept freezing and crashing uh, at this exact same spot where I'm climbing a, di a giant building in, in the story mission. It's, it's critical for you to climb this building and to attack these enemies. And the moment I would punch one of the soldiers, it would crash immediately. And I was like, okay, that's weird. And then I rebooted it and I did all that again. And the getting up to that building takes some time. It takes like upwards of 10 to 15 minutes sometimes to climb that. Uh, and I punched the soldier and it crashes. And it did it three times. And I'm like, I, I, I can't progress. I tried going around the other side of the building, punching a different enemy. It crashed. Um, and it, it got to a point where it's like, I literally can't play this game anymore. Um, so right now I'm kind of waiting for a fix. I looked up online one or two people that I saw encounter that issue with a different uh, mission, I think, or the same mission, different part. Nobody exactly seemed to have the same ex exact issue I had. Um, but yeah, it just, I couldn't progress anymore. And it was a thing where like other games were coming out. I was trying to finish this one before a lot of other things came out. Um, and so I kind of just, I'm, I'm like right there at the end. It's, it's pretty far in the game. Um, I think it's like in the last chunk of the game. It's not the last mission, but it's like the last chunk. Um, so that's kind of a shame that it kind of went out like that. Um, I think overall Gotham Knights, even though I had a good time with it, I do think it's like a botched experience and a botched landing for WB, um, which is not surprising necessarily. Uh, but it, it's a real shame that this is even tangentially lightly connected to the Arkham games. Um, cause and it, it's technically not, I understand that, but like, obviously everybody's making that connection. The characters look very similar and stuff like that. Uh, and with the combat, they're obviously trying to evoke that spirit of, but man, it, it, there's, it's, it's so obvious that whatever Rocksteady can do, they just don't got it. Like they just don't. Um, and it's a real shame because I really wanted to like this game, especially because, you know, anybody who's a big Batman fan has wanted to see the Gotham family kind of brought in more and the Gotham Knights brought in more. I've wanted to play as, you know, Batgirl. I wish there was like other characters like Orphan and Spoiler in there. That would have been cool, too. Uh, but being able to play as a Nightwing, Red, you know, uh, Red Hood, actually having Tim Drake's Robin in the game. I think all that is really awesome. Um, it's just, yeah, they didn't really stick the landing. I feel like there's just not enough here. I felt like what they did was they kind of made something that's maybe uh, two hours worth of content and then copy-pasted, 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 reskinned the other versions of it. There you go, a full game. And it's just like, it, there's just not enough really meat on the bone there to really justify uh, its own game. You know what I mean? Um, there's definitely good things about it, especially the stealth sections where you're kind of creeping around and taking out, uh, you know, cops or, or different types of enemies. I think there's actually some cool, cool moments, but they're so far few in between that it's a real shame with Gotham Knights. Uh, to kind of continue and, and speed up a little bit, I've, I also played and beat Bayonetta 3. Um, oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, I blazed through that game. I played B, I probably got through that game in like three to four sessions. It's not a long game. It takes about... Mm, if you really, really mainline it, you could probably beat it in about 10 hours, but realistically, most people's experience is probably going to be between 15 and 20. Um, and overall, I loved it. I thought it was very, very good. Uh, Bayonetta delivers on exactly what they needed to for Bayonetta. If you've played the first two and you just kind of wanted more of that and maybe bigger, that's this game, basically. They're not reinventing the wheel. There's not that much you know gameplay difference they introduce a couple of new systems some of which work some don't but uh overall the story's awesome 
Um, it's so over the top. It's crazy. It's like a weird direction for them to go narratively at times. Uh, where like it's legitimately at times a kaiju game, like a kaiju simulator, where like your monster versus yeah. monster. There's tons of moments like that. It's literally like a Ultraman meets Godzilla game at times, um, which is crazy. It, it's it's so over the top and ridiculous. But I think it's such an amazing cap for this trilogy that they've been working on. And not to get into spoilers or anything like that, but it's cool because they leave it open enough to continue if they w- wanted to. Um, but yeah, they they do some really cool things to kind of bring it all together and pay homage to those who have kind of come on the ride with them. Um, I would say that it's probably the story is so ridiculous and hard to follow at times and not in a like heavy lore kingdom hearts way and more so like nonsense what are we even talking about here um type of way that is like fun that i think to be honest with you if you don't care too much about story and understanding every single reference you could probably jump into this game and have a good time with it and not having played the first two um but but overall, I would say, if you got the patience for it, play the first two, because there's some great payoff moments towards the end that make it all worth it. Um, I think one of the biggest things going against this game is just the hardware limitations. Um, this game pushes the Switch. Um, and overall, I think it performs quite well. Uh, Platinum's never showed an inability to make things run on Switch, so shout out to them for that. Um but yeah man at times it's definitely like on its last legs where it's like i don't think they could do another one of these on switch to be honest whatever bayonetta 4 if they choose to do this looks like uh it's probably gonna have to be on whatever the successor hardware to switch is uh because i unless they do nothing any bolder on a technical level uh it's gonna have trouble running um i think they're it's pretty unstable in terms of its ability to keep a consistent frame rate, but I think it's not plunging to single digits or like anything so crazy that it, it feels kind of jarring in that way. Um, but you could you can tell it's kind of like struggling a little bit at times and it chugs along sometimes. But generally speaking, it moves, it's doing its thing, it runs, it looks quite good. I played it both handheld and docked to see how it looked. Uh, on the OLED, looks really really good, makes the colors pop at times. Um, which this one is a very colorful game for anybody who's played Bayonetta, you know that. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely recommend it, especially to any Bayonetta fans. Um, and actually, I think even to semi-casual DMC fans, I think would also get a kick out of this one. They introduce a new character very early on, not a spoiler, named Violetta, who is a who wields a katana, who gives a very imagine kind of an unrefined Virgil at times um, that kind of vibe uh, that I think is actually a, a cool style to add because if you've played Bayonetta before you know she's doing backflips all over the place it's very shooty it's very fly she's all in the sky um, and this Violetta play or Viola that's her name Vi- Viola plays very different than her um, she's a little bit more restrained uh, she has a different kind of summon that works a little different. So I, I think if you even casually like DMC, you might actually get a kick out of this game because I feel a lot of the spirit of DMC five in this game. Uh, none of the seriousness. It is now. Everybody, calm down. It is not as good as DMC five. I'm not saying that because um, mm-hmm. DMC five is, in my view, almost borderline a masterpiece. Um, this one is very, very good, but it's not that good. But I do. I can tell some of that spirit is in this one. Uh, where it works in a lot of the character transformations 
in relation to their ability to uh, fight that I think DMC5 did very well that is introduced in this one that I think is really, really fun. Some of the actual visual transformations look very like, you know, the demon mode transformations that Dante and Virgil make? Um, Yep. They do something very similar in this one, and uh, the payoff is pretty much just as satisfying when you're fighting in those modes. Uh, So yeah, Bayonetta 3, big recommendation, and then I'll just finish off really quick. Uh, I've also obviously been playing God of War. It sounds like we're about probably the same uh, time in. I'm about like three, three, three and a half right now, hours in. So not that far at all. I'm kind of savoring this because I'm really, really liking this game. Um, And I don't have a ton else to play right now, so I'm kind of like not trying to rush through it. Uh, But yeah, man, they stick the landing on this one. This one's great. Uh, I think it's outstanding, Uh, which I, I mean... I think everybody could have expected that, but at the same time, of course, I was a little nervous because God of War 1 is so good, so I'm like, are they going to be able to keep this? I know the director is different. I don't know if they can keep up with this. They're going in both directions. I know they pivoted from the wanting to originally make a trilogy to two games. Like, is that going to work? And overall, I would say they're doing an outstanding job. Uh, It kicks off very intensely. What a great intro. Um, yeah, and absolutely. the game, yeah, like it just came out of the gate swinging, which I really appreciated because they, they basically answer any doubts that you might have in the first like hour of like, Hey, yeah, we're not playing around with this time. Uh, and then it actually slows down at the deeper you go in and then kind of ramps up at the key moments, uh, as far as I've been in. And yeah, what, one of the great things I love about this game is that I, I'm actually find myself doing side content a lot more than I found myself doing that in the first game, which I really appreciate. Um, that they worked in like some cool interweaving narratives that kind of contextualize some of the characters you're with um, And so I found myself actually killing probably an hour of that not even doing main story stuff and kind of just doing this side thing That I, I won't get into because it it's kind of it's early spoiler stuff, but it is tied to the narrative So I won't get into that um, and, But yeah, I found myself doing that and it was actually really fun and you got some really cool armor because of it And you found out some interesting stuff about some of the characters that you uh, you're traveling with and so, yeah, no, I think it, it, it's really, really great game. It looks beautiful. It runs amazing. And I think it's a great reminder of, like, after playing, like, Bayonetta's great, but it doesn't run the best because it's on Switch. Sonic Frontiers is Sonic Frontiers. And then Gotham Knights. Going from those games to, like, God of War, that, it kind of reminds you, like, what the PlayStation First Party is. You know what I mean? Like, like this is kind of, they're kind of in a league of their own right now. Um because i've been playing a bunch of stuff on game pass too you know like things and it's like yeah they quickly remind you that like the you know santa monica naughty dog insomniac the sucker punch these guys they're just they're not playing around like they're on a different level um not to crap on those other games i like those games but these guys are like doing something really special here and it also is the added benefit of seeing what first party can actually do with new hardware um, because I play PS5 games all the time, but there's a just when you play whether it's a Last of Us remake, Last of Us 2 ported on there, Ghost of Tsushima ported on there, or uh, you know in the God of War now, um, it's just really impressive what the first parties they the amount of power and visuals you know Horizon for example the 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 visuals and power that they're able to extract from this hardware is just super impressive and makes me very excited to see um, what does it look like you know four years five years into this life cycle um so yeah big thumbs up from me i'm excited to play more of this and and get give you guys more thoughts as i kind of get deeper but yeah that's all i can say for now
No, yeah, I agree too. It's it's, it's one of those games I just I can't wait to play. Like I can't wait yeah. to get through it. Yeah, and and I, I think one of the awesome most awesome things is you they kind of laid the framework in 2018's version, and then they're doing such a great job characterizing these characters, uh, really making you like care about Atreus in a way that it's like. Okay, so, and obviously they set up some major stuff at the end of one, but, like, you can see him maturing and becoming his own man, which I really appreciate. You can see Kratos, if you pay close enough attention, really trying. And, you know, they obviously have that dynamic of a father-son and how do you kind of take this this beast of a man that kind of just existed at one point to solely take life into pivoting on how to raise life is a very hard thing for him obviously and you can see him wrestling with those things where he's obviously wrestling with the trauma of losing his wife and how to be a better father and how to wrestle with his past while simultaneously raising his son to be strong but also not be the man that he was raised to be um and and i think all of those dynamics are just really really impressively uh well written and and so i just want to give a shout out to them that uh they're really nailing it and it's only getting better as i go deeper so i can only imagine we're probably gonna have to do a spoiler cast on this one it's been a while since we've done one of those but i think we're gonna have to do a god of war spoiler cast for sure (laughs) absolutely all right so that's what we've been playing good time of the year right now finally things have kind of kicked in so we can get into our first story um kojima studios refuses a buyout this is by george yang over there at ign so, Hideo Kojima has been uh, approached with some ridiculous monetary offers from other companies to buy a studio. No surprise there. Kojima Productions. However, he's been rejecting all of them. On episode 10 of his Spotify podcast, Brian Structure, Kojima says, uh, Brain Structure. <laughs> I don't know why I said Brian. Brain Structure. Kojima says, We are indies. We love. Uh, we have no affiliations whatsoever or not backed by anyone. We are on good terms with everybody in the industry. He continues, Every day I am approached by offers from all over the world to buy our studios. Some of those offers are ridiculously high prices, but it's not that I, I want money. I want to make what I want to make. That's why I created the studio. So long as I'm alive, I don't think I'll ever accept those offers. And I don't know about you, but that was some of the best news I had heard all week. We all knew that Kojima Studios was obviously highly sought after by, you would imagine, Sony, obviously, definitely Microsoft. You know, they're working together right now. You could only imagine um, all these different teams and studios that want Kojima's studios underneath them probably for exclusivity Uh, and I'm so glad that he's keeping to that you know indie vision of his to have that freedom and flexibility because the reality is Kojima's so established that he doesn't really need to sign to anybody because he can get the money and remain autonomous at the same time so why while he's in that unique position why not just take advantage of that and have that flexibility there so he can present his vision to other people they could either finance it or not and then he can execute his vision exactly how he wants to and i think that's such a awesome position for him to be in and that ensures that we can continue to get unapologetically kojima games without worrying about them kind of being watered down or filtered through the wants of some other corporate entity um what did you feel about this story yeah, you know, it's it's true because it's some of the best news. Um, I think, again, like you said, it's obvious that we knew. Uh, we know Sony, and we definitely know Microsoft was definitely probably sending offers over there. Um, not including, who knows, what Tencent and Bracer. Who oh, knows, yeah, you know uh, they, the they put out of, an offer. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so it's good to know, right? Cause there was a lot of rumors. You know, there was one time I think Sony had put Kojima in, like, an artwork with all the first party studios so everybody thought that was coming and he's come out multiple times to say 
I'm going to stay independent and I see it for the foreseeable future and everything like that. Um, so it's good to, it's good to hear that, uh, because we, you know, he is, and it just also makes sense that he doesn't, uh, go exclusive to anyone. Um, of course I would always love everyone to play, be able to play everything they want on anything they want. Um, but Kojima is just someone that, Matt, you know, you can't, especially, again, we still don't ever know to this day what really went on with Konami. Yeah. But you, obviously, he's not in a rush to get in a similar uh, situation again. And as much as they wouldn't, you you don't want that because you you got to be able to be free to make the stuff you make. Uh, not every company is going to make you, let you make a walking simulator uh, the way Death Stranding is. Um, that's not something that every company's gonna green light, you know, green lit. Uh, so it is, it's good because Kojima is someone who's all over the place. You know, he is making some weird cloud game slash experience with Microsoft, which doesn't really translate to PlayStation because there's no. I mean, I don't know if it's exclusive, but it doesn't really work with the way PlayStation is set up. But it does work with the way Xbox is set up with cloud and Game Pass and everything like that. So it's exciting. And it's exciting to see that because in a world where every other month felt like someone was being purchased. Uh, or and then immediately things were getting cut down. It is nice to see that he's sticking by his gun and he's gonna make what he wants to make. It, it's not like he's gonna be stuck doing what everyone wants. You know, he made too, way too many Metal Gears past what he wanted to make. Uh, and then the one time he wanted to dabble in the Silent Hills, we all obviously know what what happened there. So it's good that nothing's gonna just be ripped out of his hands for no reason. Um, and if he is the sought after, if someone doesn't want one of his ideas, he has a million other places he can go, um, and he's not stuck to it. So it's it's just good news in very aspects. And I wish we heard a little bit more about this from other companies, because uh, we know obviously these guys, Microsoft, Sony, uh, Embracer, Tencent, uh, Saudi, the Saudi Arabia who bought out SNK. Oh yeah. Um, you know, it, it's we know they're all walking around with their checkbooks. Um, so. It's glad that people are standing the way they have been in a long, haven't been in a long time. Everything's first party or, or very little second party. Yeah, and, and the the interesting thing about the story is like I heard it and I was like very happy, but I actually wasn't surprised to be honest with you because I totally thought that Kojima Productions was going to get bought out. I know his was attention, his intention was to remain indie once upon a time. But the the closeness and the proximity to the Sony first party, I mean, Sony was effectively treating them like a first party studio, um, yeah. and the way Death Stranding, which you know, Death Stranding got the exact same marketing level as like Ghost of Tsushima and Last of Us and, and stuff like that. So I just assumed I was like, yeah, they'll probably get absorbed at some point. He'll keep some of his autonomy for a while, but uh, I think you know, like he he's eventually gonna be you know kind of out there, but. Uh, but no, it looks like they're going to remain autonomous, which is great because that means, you know, theoretically, and I would, I'm, the way he's talking is like, you know, that he's got like no formal affiliations anywhere, and he, but he's not backed by anybody, but he's on good terms with everybody. That's exciting. That's a great thing because then that means, yeah, like maybe he'll go work with Nintendo and do some weird stuff with them, you know, um, mm-hmm. that they, they always seem down to try out like a new weird IP or something like that. So, um yeah, I, I think this is overall very good news. I like that he's going to bounce around. I think it's going to be probably a little frustrating for some because, you know, obviously not everybody is platform agnostic. So there's 
going to be people who are like really big Metal Gear fans, who are really big like Death Stranding fans, who may not be able to play his next game. I don't know if it's going to be on all platforms. And obviously he's working with uh, Microsoft pretty closely on that. So, um, they, you know, it's possible they won't be able to play this game. And then if they jump and he wants to work with Nintendo and they put something on the Switch or something like that, they might not be able to play that game. That, I think, from that perspective, that's going to probably annoy some people because unlike most developers, uh, Kojima has, like, fans of him outside of, like, uh, yeah. the, the video game. So unlike... Like for example, like Miyamoto, you find Miyamoto. Let's let's say the, the the unimaginable happens, and like Miyamoto makes a game on PlayStation. Let's say that will motivate a lot of people to like go and so- seek out that game because just on the name of the guy alone, uh, Kojima's got one of those things where people follow him, whatever he's attached to, whether it's the Silent Hills PT thing, whether it's you know his Amazon delivery simulator game with the ghosts and. Or whether it's Metal Gear. Um, And so I think that's going to be probably frustrating to some where it's like he's bouncing all over the place. But I think there's a beauty in that. As you were saying, with all the acquisitions, with all these companies getting swallowed up by even bigger companies and consolidating here and there. I think it's awesome to someone who's like, no, that's cool. Like, I'll I'll have my my things financed. But yeah, I don't I don't I don't really need it to be bought up. Because again, you got to keep in mind, like this guy, as you were saying, like he went through the ringer with Konami, whatever that was. Um, he's accomplished right now. I don't think he's really like, he doesn't need to prove himself anymore. And I, I'm sure he's doing very well for himself. So I don't know if he needs the, the embracer bag like that. Um, like some people do, um, where like, you know, some places, if, if they don't get their stuff immediately financed by whatever company is above them, their owners or whatever like that, it's not going to happen. Where Kojima, I feel like has... He wants to keep that flexibility to shop around to to it's like oh you won't do it well Microsoft will and the 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 good thing is he can kind of weaponize the, the 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 wars the console wars to his benefit where it's like Sony is almost motivated or Microsoft's almost motivated to work with Kojima when he goes to them because then you're basically just giving the game to the competition. So he can have his pick, basically. He's like, oh, if well, Microsoft won't give it to me, Sony will. And if Sony will, won't, then Nintendo will or, or whatever, or EA will or whatever. Um, and that's the, a great position for him to be in, which is like someone is, and probably more than one person, is going to want to make that game for him, whatever it looks like. Because he, he's proven, you know, no matter how weird and abstract his concept sounds on paper that you like, that, that won't work. That's not going to be a thing. I mean, technically, historically, it has. I mean, he moved 10-plus million units of Death Stranding, which is one of the weirder first-party games I've ever played in my life. Um, and, and, and that's a really impressive thing. You know, you talk about, uh, on paper, yeah, a guy who delivers packages in increasingly large backpacks, and you try not to fall over while simultaneously invisible ghosts try to kill you. Yeah, Like, somebody comes to your accomplished game publisher and it's like hey can you finance my game what do you say (laughs) and it's not kojima um so you know they took a risk and it paid off so i I think he's in an excellent position where he can kind of take his pick whatever mixes with the tech that he's looking for so obviously he's got the cloud thing right now so i think it makes a lot of sense for them to go to xbox um with their kind of x cloud embedded capabilities it's an existing ecosystem it has the player base it has the tech they're in some ways in the industry leaders there um and so yeah i think this is like a great option for him and uh i'm, I'm very happy to hear that no yeah it's, it's really exciting i mean it just lets us 
explore his mind because he's a very unique man. I guess. Yeah, for sure. I don't, maybe I don't feel like I stand him as much as other people do, but he is in very unique. I mean, this is the guy who put a a, a version of a solar panel inside of a, a GBA device. Yeah, Game Boy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's nuts, um, and I, I, it's good because that means he's not going anywhere, uh, and he'll always be him, and his company will be him. So. It's exciting, um, which you know it brings us into the you know uh, the next topic actually, so we can go in there. Um, his new game may have leaked, uh, as reported by VGC. It now appears that footage of Ko- uh, Kojima's overdose has begun to leak online. The footage shows uh, Margaret Qualley's character, which she was in uh, Death Stranding, um, exploring dark corridors with a flashlight. It then ends with a jump scare before the words "game over" and a weird uh, text. Um, and a Hideo Kojima game and Overdose show up on the screen. Um, it is uh, obviously unclear if this is legit or not, um, especially if, especially that main footage. Uh, if you don't want to see a shirtless guy recording off his laptop, yeah. Um, and only time will tell the truth. Uh, Overdose was first rumored this past June when Tom Henderson of Insider Gaming posted details about the game. The leak apparently came from footage showing third-person gameplay of Quaid's character exploring dark quarters using a flashlight. Uh, Kojima Productions reported request to have the arc removed uh, was denied, um, which really just closes more and more in. Uh, again, they would have been better off saying, like I said before when we talked about this leak, uh, it would have been better if they said nothing because uh, you contacting them to take it down and copyright striking it uh, only shows that it's true. Um, this footage is, is I'm more mixed on uh, because it, it does look very early on. But to have uh, Margaret Qualley's character model look so much like her uh, and so much like her counterpart in Death Stranding makes me believe that this is at least something uh, to be. Uh, I checked the footage out. Um, I, I had heard it when it was spreading around. I didn't really look at it then. Um, but I I was more curious to see um, because you can slap a Ko- you know Kojima Productions on anything uh, and have people believe it. Um, so I checked the footage out and it does look very... Again, it's such a small sliver. I think it's like a minute long of her character walking around there's a jump scare and then it's over um don't know if it could be uh, some sort of was the original pitch or or whatever it is um but it, it is just it does call to me that i just it's weird because we are in the part where we have so many horror games coming out uh again we have death space coming back we have uh callisto protocol fighting against dead space uh resident evil is at its biggest um so I'm more curious, not that I want more horror games, I'm more curious to see what his take on horror, uh, you know, this is the guy who's just in bed with, not just in bed, but has so many connections, uh, Guillermo del Toro, he's got connections to Norman Reedus, and all these people who have different tastes and flair and ideas that they can, you know, he's more than happy to pick from and put together, um, to experience a new, you know, a new type of horror, um, so... It's exciting. I do kind of hope and kind of see. He's been teasing for a while now uh, a game. Um, I don't know if he's teasing. It, some of the artwork that he's been teasing with, like, Ellie Fanning and stuff sort of fit in with the, the way Game Over spelled out with, like, these weird symbols. Um, sort of all starts to jive. I'm getting, I am hoping that the Game Awards this year, we do get a some sort of teaser or confirmation of what his next project is that he's working on because it does seem like it's starting to get the... Gotham Knights treatment where it's like I mean, they were teasing Court of Owls for like three years oh, before yeah. we got any sort of announcement um, and I obviously there, we know there's something was going on with that Kojima does like to do this sort of tease and play and uh, I do would like to just see what we can kind of hope to get from him 
Um, so it's exciting. Um, what did you think of this? Yeah, this is an interesting one because definitely when I first saw that video, I was definitely inclined to not think it's legit. Uh, mostly because just they fake mini vertical slices on found footage looking like somebody's recording a TV. Like there's like a million of those of GTA Six and all types of Red Dead Three and all kind of BS on YouTube. Um, so those things kind of pop up. So like so you know because it was so little and it's a character that we've seen kind of before i was like you know i felt like somebody could maybe mock this up in unreal engine render it on their pc and then record it on their phone and say it's a hideo kojima game and it's like okay um but yeah it, it it's a lot of the time these companies actions after the fact that kind of out it <laughs> as being legit you know when when the cease and desist come when the copyright strikes happen when they request to take the article down you know if it was like bs rumors because there's lots of BS that have gone around related to Kojima and games he's put out. And they don't say a thing about it because it's nonsense. Um, and if, if I were to theoretically like put together a video of some you know the vertical slice that I make with none of their existing stuff, let's say. Um, but just like my own vertical slice and say, this is Kojima's next game and put it on YouTube. I don't think they do anything because it's, it's not real. Uh, but when they move quickly to kind of get things taken down not not only maybe get the video taken down but they actually moved to get the article removed um that probably tells me okay that this is probably the an early build of something uh because it's so little this seems like uh, like a quick concept pitch or something like that this doesn't seem like mm-hmm. something beyond that or or maybe like a quick thing a teaser trailer to stick on like at the game awards or something like that again we're, we're less than a month away for game awards so i wouldn't have been surprised if this was something maybe that they were going to show very lightly at the game awards or something like that um but it is exciting to see that he's working on something now i'm totally down to see his vision of horror because there's always he he's had horror elements in most of his games in kind of the modern era you know even metal gear at Mm -hmm. times had very unsettling kind of uh visuals obviously death stranding in some ways is kind of survival horror um as much as it is like simulation and sci-fi and whatever um and, and so I think this is a natural fit for him. I don't play a ton of horror games, so I'm kind of curious to see what his spin on, on that is and, and if that is something that resonates with me. Uh, I have no doubt that it's going to be a very strange take on horror. I don't think it's going to be your traditional Silent Hill walking with a flashlight through fog type of game. I think it's going to be uh, something a lot different than that. And so I, I'm kind of excited to, to see what his take is on, on that because he... He has such a creative way of approaching kind of traditional uh, things where, you know, like, for example, military games existed for the longest time. Uh, stealth military games existed. Metal Gear existed. And then he got his hands on it. And look what he did with it. It's mm-hmm. It went in a direction I, I would have never imagined that a military, you know, stealth game could ever have gone in. There was just weird themes and storylines and branching narratives and character types and genres playing around with the music the everything um and so i'm totally down to see what his take on horror is because i feel like in some ways where he goes he kind of invents genres or like at least subgenres. uh and so i'm excited to see what subgenre he's able to invent of horror and it's cool that something exists but it's so early on that it's not like we can like take much from this if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah especially with just how weird it looks because again the video that i'm sure most people have seen is you know a guy recording 
also got tablet. Yeah. Um, and in in that video, it looks like it looks like he's watching some streamer player or something. In that video, the it looks like the lady or whoever's in that corner is playing off a mobile device. It, it looks like she's on like it looks like she's controlling with the phone. Yeah. Uh, which which again, which kind of makes sense to like the whole cloud gaming uh, thing. And that wouldn't be the first time there was a, a game. Uh, it was on PS Plus uh, like about a year ago, two years ago, where you can download an app to control it. Uh, it's a very quantum. Uh, dream type game. I don't remember what the game was called. It, it, it's called. It's like a one name girl or Emily or something like that. And uh, you can download an app to control if you didn't want to control it with your oh, DualShock Four. Um, so, so it's very familiar uh, to that. So it's not the strangest thing I've seen. But again, I, I just wonder because it does look like she has her phone in her hand and she's looking up at something. But again, then you're hit with this shirtless dude, and uh, when the screen goes black, so I quickly cl- clicked off the video because <laughs> there was not much more for t- for to see. So it's, it's just interesting to see what, what how much of this exists uh, or doesn't exist in, in our time here. Yeah, and at least we know pretty concretely that this game is Kojima and not Hassan Karaman or whatever his yeah. name was. <laughs> I don't know what where their game is. But at yeah. least we have two separate product projects now, so there's Agreed. not that yeah. overlap. Um, and I guess we can move on to our last story. This is going to be uh, an interesting one. So there's been a lot of rumors kind of circulating around about a potential price hike. Uh, this wouldn't be necessarily unfounded because we've seen price hikes from Sony uh, in uh, non-U.S. regions. So uh, p- as part of Nintendo's fiscal year 2023 six-month earning release, the company addressed a potential price hike for its console. Uh, as reported by Bloomberg's Takashi Michizuki, Nintendo still isn't implementing a price hike immediately, but is carefully considering if it needs to take the option. Currently, the standard Switch retails for uh, $299.99, so $300. The handheld-only Switch Lite for $199.99, and the premium Switch OLED model for $349.99. So, my question to you, Steve, is... If there was a price increase that Nintendo did, what do you think the limit for each uh, SKU should be where it no longer becomes a good price offering? Uh, would you support a price increase? Like, I'm curious about your thoughts about this. Yeah, you know, you have to take in uh, what's going on in the world today. Uh, you know, you have other companies, you know, Oculus went and price hiked you know, a device that was out in the market for almost three, four years, you know, with the Oculus 2 or Rift 2, whatever. Um, that's been out for years, and uh, Facebook or Meta, whatever, up their price by like 100 bucks. Um, PlayStation and other countries uh, had to take a, a price, you know, to raise their pricing on, on device. Um, Microsoft's talked about how they're not going to do it just yet, or at least now, but they came out with, uh, you know, the, the, the weird verbiage of pretty much like you can't we can't say we won't do it but right now no um so it makes sense that it's gonna happen uh, that it, it, if it were to happen you have to look in the day and age that with what we're going into a recession and we're going into you have just inflation going on to a crazy crazy uh, standard um so it makes sense that you're gonna see this i think if they go model by model, um, and if they're not going to do it just a generic price hike, I think maybe they try to keep, maybe, maybe this is my guess, what they would try to do, maybe keep the Switch Lite at that price. Um, you know, uh, you can't really cut corners there any more than they have. You know, no dock uh, and everything like that. So um, if they want to keep systems selling, maybe try to keep that Switch Lite just about there. Um, then you have the, the retails, you know, you have the new, the 
original Switch, which is actually the second model Switch, um, for three hundred, and then you have the OLED for three fifty. I I can't see them almost justifying about a fifty buck price on each one. So going making the original model or whatever the standard model up around three fifty, the OLED model, which is you know they're more sort of deluxe model for four hundred, which is still pretty steep um and then the switch light at 250 uh would make sense um obviously they would probably go the route that other companies are going to go and try to give you a free game or free year of nintendo online or they're going to try to sort of soften that blow by by you know making a making a sweeter deal um but that's more of my hope. I just don't really know in Nintendo's case. This is the same company that the Switch has been out since 2017. Every year uh, for the Christmas bundle, it's been the same Christmas bundle. I worked two Christmases yeah. at GameStop. It's always the same Mario Kart bundle. Um, so that they try to amp that it's a new bundle. Um, so it's like you never know. That's what I would almost understand. Um, obviously, I, I have a Switch. I don't have any purpose right now to buy another Switch. So I wouldn't be um hurt by this i just think that if nintendo does it for sure uh then you have to think that all the other consoles will do it i know most of these play most of these companies i know microsoft and sony talks about how they're selling the consoles basically at a loss if not breaking even so that's where i kind of feel where it's like it's almost i feel like it's in you know it's gonna happen they can't avoid it for much longer um, but that's where I would see. I, I don't see how else you could justify going above another $50 price hike on s- technically some hardware that's a f- couple years old already. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I'm kind of reading this story. Um, I, I'm glad they're not planning an immediate hike because generally speaking, I would say I'm not necessarily against price hikes i don't like in-flight price hikes and what i mean by that is once the console is out has been out for a while and then you increase the price while it's in flight out there in the middle of the life cycle i don't really like that um unless you're going down um but i don't like the in-flight because right now basically what they're saying is due to like uh inflation and stuff like that which is market conditions uh they need to adjust the, the the prices uh that basically to me shifts the the burden of the market conditions onto the consumer, which I'm just not into. Now, I understand they're probably already operating on razor-thin margins, if they have margins, on any of these hardware sales anyways, thus the whole, you know, like operating at a loss thing. Um, but for me, you know, it, it's sometimes I kind of just feel like as a general concept, it's kind of on the company to manage market fluctuations however they need to without necessarily just shifting the burden on to um, us because very specifically a lot of these councils are already on the high end to be honest with you i understand like they're already on the high end and it still doesn't work out for them the best in terms of margins but that is kind of ultimately their problem you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. to me uh, nintendo's an interesting position because their council is a hybrid council so they occupy that weird middle zone between handheld and full price where they can't go full handheld price because again this is a this is this can be a proper console it's docked it has a lot more moving parts that cost a lot more money so they can't hit those not necessarily that you know 150 200 range uh, with their highest unit that they were able to do with the 3DS for example or the Game Boy Advances and, and DSs and stuff like that 
Um, but they also can't go all the way to like Series X PS5 mode where they're hidden at you know 450. They can't do that. Um, mm-hmm. Not with the Switch, especially because not only is this a hybrid console, but it's also an older hybrid console at this point. It came out in 2017, so we're five years in now. Um, going up in price, especially if they're going to crack 400 for you know five year old hardware, it, for nothing better, it's just it's a hard sell for me um, at this point. Uh, I feel like they have to keep the switch light at 200 they need that low barrier to entry and the switch light effectively is a handheld device you got to keep it in that handheld range so i think keeping it at 200 is perfect for them they have to keep that down um standard switch retail is, is a tough sell to go to 350 because again at this point it's an outdated model it uh mm-hmm. it there is a better hardware skew this is the exact hardware that was out five years ago and the idea that this is somehow increased, it has this increase in value, I, I think kind of on a general games-wise, it's actually decreased in value of what the Switch offering, you know, what it can really do five years later is actually less now because, you know, obviously technology has progressed so far. Um, so I, I think they're in a rough position where, like, increasing it anymore is is, is rough because, yeah, it, it, the OLED, my, I love my OLED. Don't get it twisted. I love it. I think it's a beautiful yeah. piece of hardware uh 400 steep man you're you're in ps5 territory now um with uh the digital only so you know a digital only ps5 and the switch oled being the exact same price i think that's an issue personally you got one that is a 4k 60 device and then one that is a 1080 docked 7 you know 720 handheld 30 frames per second system you know it's like for the same price you know one's two years old yeah like two you know going on two years old and the other one's five years old for the same price you know that's it that's an issue even though the OLED model is a lot newer um yeah i think they're in a rough point right now which if i was them i feel like you eat what you got to eat this time um because they're already so deep into the life cycle increasing it now is kind of ridiculous but I hope they're around the corner from launching maybe new hardware that maybe they'll just have to come out of the gate a little bit more expensive that time. I think, uh, you know, I think people already pay a lot for their games in many cases too much. Um, But if they have to come out of the gate a little bit higher to protect the margins, I mean, so be it. I'd much rather than that than kind of try to increase things in flight because in flight increases just are kind of annoying and not great consumer practice. In my in my view, just in my opinion, um, to kind of be like, okay, this is the this is the price for this thing, and then you know what, a couple years later, be like, actually, sorry, no, that same thing is worth this now. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of, mm-hmm. it's just not a great sell. Um, so yeah, I think they're kind of unfortunately stuck because I feel like they're already at the max point of what I feel like most consumers probably feel comfortable paying for this hardware. If they come out of the gate with a, a, a new switch that is like much more powerful and they want to hit the four four fifty at that point, so be it. I think most people there'll be some people who are like that's expensive, but I think most yeah. people would eat that. I think you start to lose people when you're when you're telling parents like, oh, you bought your one kid that and now they want the the same thing, you know, for for the holiday season except it's way more expensive now, like. unfortunately it's just it's too late in the cycle to do that playstation's in a a position right now where they're they're kind of doing the same thing they've actually already increased prices just not in the united states um and it for me i feel like was stomach 
a little bit more because they're so early in the life cycle. Most, no, nah, I, I don't know most, but like a lot of people who want PS5s don't even have PS5s yet. So it's not like they're in flight, but they're also still very much transitioning as opposed to yeah. Switch where there's, there's so many out there. Um, so you're kind of, if you're increasing, you're punishing the people who are like late adoptees. Where like PlayStation, I mean, if they increase a little bit outside the U.S., a lot of people don't even have the hardware yet, and they're so early into it. So it's not like a, the whole like seventy dollar game, four hundred to five hundred dollar console thing isn't really locked in quite yet because it's it, it's it hasn't cemented because it just it hasn't been around as much, and you can barely count the first year because most people didn't have PS fives in the first year. You know what I mean? So that's kind of how I feel about it. No, yeah, uh, it makes a lot of sense. It's just they they do have to watch out in that price point, like you said. I know there's been rumors constantly about the Switch Pro. I mean, that's an ongoing joke we've been doing for <laughs> yeah. two years. Actually, I think the life of it, we've been doing this show. Yeah. Switch Pro's always been rumored. Um, and that's the only time I think... And even then, when I start looking, say they break that 400, 450-ish uh, range, uh, you got to remember, you got Steam Deck. I think their lowest system is $400. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a great just, point, Steam Deck. And... Uh, Valve is such a big company that they can kind of take the hit uh, and not move um, their their pricing, or at least maybe at least of their their cheaper model. Um, so and and then and the possibilities are endless there, especially when you start looking, you know, a a, a four hundred dollars switch. Say on a good day, even then you got games that are nowhere are always going to be sixty dollars, right? Nintendo games are always sixty dollars, and then yeah. you get a Steam Dex a Steam sale. Where you can get a whole franchise <laughs> for like twenty for, <laughs> for dollars. I, I like I always said I got Resident Evil Zero through Seven, including remake of two and three, uh, for twenty five thirty. That's bucks. so nuts. Uh, yeah. I didn't want to play half the games, but I just wanted, <laughs> I wanted that collection. Cause that's yeah. such a good deal. Uh, I got the whole Fear franchise. I think I, I got that for like four dollars. So, so when you start looking at this, that's when you can start playing some. Of the, and I know we look deeper than most of these people. You know, most parents are going to walk into, you know, their Best Buy, their Walmart, their GameStop and get sold on one of these devices where someone yeah. can be like, listen, you know, you, you, you can't walk into GameStop and get a Steam Deck or see a Steam Deck and have someone there. Uh, you know, I'm not in every GameStop to tell people, no, no, listen, if you're going to spend $400, look what you can do with this. Uh, you can get Wii running on here and because it's not gonna, they're not going to do the legwork, but yeah. it is the territory that some people are going to see. Yeah, you you raise a really good point. Yeah, if they go up to let's say they you know take the OLED model to four hundred, now you're in a position with you know barring the the screen being OLED versus you know an LED screen on the Steam Deck, you're you're basically at the exact same price point of another handheld device that also has docking capabilities technically. Mm-hmm that has objectively i'm not speaking about the games i'm not speaking about the nintendo charm i'm talking about just the hardware itself is objectively worlds beyond yours that's a problem you know what i mean that now you're now you're back into the wii u position kind of where you have this you know home console foray that is just dramatically weaker than the competition and so there's very little outside of being a nintendo first party game fan to even get your hardware because everything runs objectively worse and it's not dramatically cheaper. Um, and so that's the problem right now where they, they have to keep that that disparity where it's like, okay, yes, we're not the most powerful. We do have great games over here. And we're a little bit cheaper too. You're not like killing the bank. Because yeah, the PS5 and the Series X, they are expensive. I acknowledge that for sure. They're very expensive devices. 
Um, and so I think they need to be they, they need to play a gentle game where they don't only understand the lane they occupy in terms of like the type of games they play out, but also the price point that they occupy. Uh, specifically, especially with the handheld thing. Now that Steam Deck is kind of nipping on their toes, and obviously the, the people saying, like, you know, the Steam Deck is like the Switch killer, that's a, ridiculous. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. but you know, I think they need to they need to play a careful game where they don't get too close to competing too directly with the Steam Deck um, because it, it's going to put them in an unnecessarily tight situation in terms of the art optics and marketing of their console. Um, But again, thankfully, they are five years in, which means that chances are whatever they're doing next is probably going to arrive within the next two years. And I feel like a lot of these problems, they don't necessarily go away, but the pipeline's probably going to be a little bit better. The production pipeline um, is going to be a little bit better in two years, hopefully, for them uh, by that point. And they can also increase prices at that point because, uh, well, again, they wouldn't even be increasing prices. They'd be introducing higher prices. So they might be able to come out of the gate with a $400, $450 device that maybe does, you know, 4K upscale docked or something like that. That I think makes a lot more sense to go into that price point as opposed to five-year-old hardware that is barely keeping up and, you know, potentially going into that price range. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I agree. All right. So that's all the stories we had this week. Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, We're coming up into a... Basically, I think the lull, but the end of the year, where we're going to start to be able to have some of our uh, Game of the Year conversations that I'm really quite excited for. It was quite a crazy year. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think certain studios certainly showed up this year, and then certain ones are um, nowhere to be seen. Cough, cough, uh, Xbox. So I'm excited to have those those conversations with you, and uh, we'll we'll be back with another episode very soon, guys. So this was the Neo Vintage Podcast. I'm Jabro, and I'm here with... Steve, take care, guys. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye.